All right. Hello, hello, hello. Good evening, everyone. I am Nika Shirell, and this is the ITCAST Real Talk on Sex. The ITCAST is our community outreach podcast that increases diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. We have some upcoming events for you. This weekend, Saturday, April 8th, we will be at Soma Second Saturday from 12 to 5. It is back for the season. Soma Second Saturday is a kink gear and leather market in San Francisco on 12th Street between Eagle Plaza and Folsom Street. Next weekend, you'll also find us at San Francisco Fetish Flea Market in the Wicked Grounds Annex from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. And as always, we have our weekly support group, the Freedom Support Group, online every Sunday at 12 p.m. Pacific that is hosted with Ethology Collective and the House of Shirelle. We also have our Sunday brunch at Jolene's San Francisco. Go check it out. Awesome, awesome drag, burlesque, all the things show. <laughs> All right. If you want to get one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, visit my link tree and book a free connection session. And please ask us anything. We want to hear from you. We want to know what's going on. And we want to be able to answer your questions and address your comments on the show. So you can get access to our bonus content on Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash Nika Shirell. Subscribe to this YouTube channel and share with your community. Let's go ahead and dive in. This week's topic is Real Talk on Pleasure Awakening. Today in the booth, we have Rachel Levesque. Rachel is a Somatica certified sex and relationship coach with years of experience working somatically with clients on their personal healing journey. Rachel's work focuses on helping people create brave spaces in their lives. She helps her clients sniff out limiting beliefs and dogma that act as roadblocks to intimacy and play. Rachel is a skilled bridge builder between becoming and belonging, especially in relationships. Rachel believes in pleasure as a lifestyle and guides others to somatically map a courageous path for more present, connected, and sexy life. This, uh, through somatica practices, the body experiences spacious healing, a world of pleasure awaits. First within and beyond the walls of her office, she invites others to step hand in hand and heart to heart on a mission to learn to live this life together deliciously. All right, Rachel, join us on the show. Hi. Hi, there you are. I am. <laughs> awesome, welcome, welcome. So um, first, uh, tell us a bit about yourself and why you're choosing to do this show. Mm. Well, I live in Nevada City, California, and I work in Sacramento sometimes on Mondays, actually. And um, I'm a mom of two kids, eight and 12 year olds. And um, I love where I live, it's beautiful. I love the Yuba River and nature and just having sort of the best of both worlds. It's like a little bit of a city and I'm next to a city and also I'm surrounded by nature just right at my doorstep. So it just feels good to be kind of in that in-between place for me here. And I'm an artist and performer and I love gardening and yeah, I've just sort of devoted my life since I was young to healing, um, first healing myself and then realizing that through that I could heal, help heal others. Um, and so I'm really brought to the show to um, courageously share my voice, which is on my growing edge right there. So I'm here like vulnerably and excited to share. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, and just bringing my love for pleasure and sharing some of my story is really why I'm here. I feel like my story has been the most helpful in my own healing and also when I share it with others. Just it's my humanity that I bring that I'm really feeling like sharing. I love that. I love that. Thank you. 
in our conversations and I call in your work around pleasure to experience it, we do have to go through things. We have to overcome, we have to step aside, we have to allow. <laughs> yeah, a lot of those things, yeah. So much. Um, so uh, I know previously you shared with me, but could you share a bit about some of the things that you had to overcome? Mm. Yeah, I have a, a few memories that just like really, they're like part of the bigger statement. So like being a little girl and just remembering hearing that, like I just remember like rubbing my belly really sweetly in the sun and one of my caregivers saying, oh my gosh, don't touch yourself like that out in the world. People can't see that you like that, you know? And so automatically I felt like there was this message that my body was something to be afraid of, something to that I shouldn't share, that it was dangerous, not only for me, but also for others. And so that's what I had to overcome really kind of through, I had to sort that out from that moment, I think. Yeah. So that's kind of like the sorting I've done that's led me here. You know, I went to school to be a yoga instructor and like figure out what it's like to be in this body in a different way and in a healing way. And that was my first real journey into it. And then I studied body work and then I dipped a little bit deeper into getting to know the body in these beautiful, safe ways. And then um, I've always studied herbs and really been enchanted by plants. And then I, I met actually the creator of Somatica, Celeste Hirschman, at um, a women's gathering in the forest. And she was teaching this somatic orgasmic breath work. And I just got so turned on and so excited that we could do something like that, just breathing under trees with, by ourselves or with others, that we could do that. And I was just astounded and was like, one day I'm going to learn how to do that, whatever that was. And so that's what led me to doing Somatica really was that one experience out in the woods at a women's camp out. Nice. I could hear that was a big part of the healing growth step for you. Yeah. Just like getting, getting into just learning about being in this body that wasn't as scary as I was really raised to believe, you know, and that was that really kind of that statement about rubbing my belly in the sun is just like, I had to reclaim that actively for a long time. And now I love being naked and being in the sun and just rubbing oil on my body. And yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. You know, that's such an impactful moment too. Cause you know, you would think, okay, well like, you know, it's, it's one set of, you know, words just kind of scrambled together, but there's so much impact in that shame. Like you, like, it's not, it's, people shouldn't see you enjoying yourself. People shouldn't see your pleasure. Like it's, you shouldn't even have that is what I'm hearing from your share. And like, that's a lot to overcome and step outside of. Yeah, I think mainly it was like, go have that in private, but it was just my belly, you know? And it was like, it just felt like I was so confused by it, you know? And so I had to kind of figure that out what that safety was and what that like, what that, threat of not being safe is and how to manage both of those. Yeah. Um, talk a bit more about the threat of not being safe. Um, well, I think, you know, the fear was that if I showed my pleasure that I would be perpetrated on as a girl, child, woman, that I would put myself in a place of like, oh, someone knows that she enjoys her body. So maybe they'll try to take advantage of that. I don't know. I'm just trying to put myself in empathetic caregiver shoes. Yeah. 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 And I appreciate that. It's not, um, when you, when you said it, it took me a second to kind of just get to where you were, but there it's true there. We are acculturated as women to be afraid, be afraid of our bodies, be afraid. Yeah. Of, yeah like there's so much. And I feel like it's, it's built in. Like when we're in childhood, the shame and the fear and all these different things. So I hear like that's something to overcome to allow you to enjoy yourself, to allow us to enjoy ourselves. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I just also feel like I'm somebody that, you know, I'm highly sensitive. So I seek like re reprieve and um, like es sometimes escape from like the constant of constancy of the world and culture and cityscapes. Like I go into nature and I find a lot of pleasure there. And I think that's a huge piece of my healing too. Um, you mentioned the orgasmic breath work and you mentioned nature. Um, yeah. And I remember when we spoke, like nature is really big for you. It's um, huge for me. Yeah. There's so many, I could like go down a whole rabbit hole of why it's important, but that would take me literally, you know, a whole day of talking about nature. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, so um, there were some things. Let's talk about the orgasmic breath work. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What is this? <laughs> you want to do it? Oh my God. Now? I mean, I don't know if that fits in your podcast. I think it does. Now everyone gets to watch this happen. Okay. They can do it with us. Yes. Everybody can, join yeah, us. They can do it with us. And so, because I believe in like consent, I want to explain it a little of like why we do it and why you might want to try it and how to do it before we go into it. So it only take me a couple minutes. I've done this so many times. So I'm just going to close this chat there. There we go. Um, yeah. So this orgasmic breath work, it's a mixture of two types of breath work. One that we call the three part breath. You inhale into your chest and then into your belly and then into your pelvic floor. And then I introduced the second part of um, this breath work where you inhale and you squeeze your pelvic floor and you release it when you exhale. At the top of the inhale, you squeeze and then exhale. So it's just working that pelvic floor with the breath as your guide. And then at the end of the breath, we hold the breath for three times, squeeze our bodies, our faces, however much we want to squeeze for our own pleasure, and then exhale um, out through the mouth. So inhale through the mouth, squeeze everything, exhale through the mouth. Um, and I will lead you in sort of like going from nose breath to mouth breath as we go through. Um, and you don't need anything. I mean, you, you might want to like lick your lips if your mouth gets dry when we're doing it um, and take little breaks from the mouth breath. And you totally have permission to go back to the nose breath if you get lightheaded. Sometimes people get a little lightheaded, um, but you can just go back to the nose breath. Just stay with the breath and the squeeze, which is, which is the most important. And um, why I like to do this is like, I like to remind people that pleasure is as simple as taking a few breaths. It's like as simple as accessing this place. Like once you do this breath work a couple times, I can just go straight to that pelvic floor breath and do 10 or 15 before I hop out of my car and go to a meeting. I could do 10 or 15 of these breaths. Um, and it just helps me weave pleasure into my life, but I can also use it in the bedroom with lovers and it's really powerful for my pleasure and for theirs because I'm squeezing and releasing. So if there's penetration, it's really exciting. Um, and I can use it with myself in my own pleasure sessions. And I just, I love to um, really just help people learn how to do these kinds of pleasure practices also together in groups. And it de-shamifies the whole pleasure experience because we're not doing some of the things that tr were traditionally shameful. We're just doing breath work but we're having this orgasmic experience together. And I feel like it can be really healing. Yeah, so um, would you like to try it? I would like to try it, let's go. Wonderful. I am going to take a sip of my tea and if you have water, I invite you to take a drink of water before we start. And you can place your hands wherever you're comfortable. You can have your eyes open or shut. And take your glasses off if you want. I just want you to be as comfortable as possible. And take a few breaths in and out through the nose. And then I invite you to give yourself a touch somewhere on the body that you really like having touched. Maybe the inside of your arm, your thighs, the side of your face. And that's just, we're just collecting, like, what does that feel like right now? We're just collecting that information from our body. And then you can place your hands back. 
down and rest them. Next breath, I invite you to inhale through your nose into your chest, expanding the chest, feeling the back of your chest, the sides of your chest and the front. And with the next breath, bring the breath all the way down to your belly, inhaling into your belly, feeling the back of the belly, the sides of the belly and the front of the belly expand and retract with the breath. And with your next breath, I invite you to breathe into your pelvic floor, in and out through the nose a few times. And we're going to transition from our nose breath to our mouth breath here. So inhale through the mouth, exhale through the mouth. Just noticing your pelvic bowl, holding your belly, holding your chest, holding your shoulders and your head and your arms. Feel your feet on the floor, feel your back against the chair. Just notice how this room and this chair is supporting you. And with the next breath, I invite you to inhale and squeeze your pelvic floor up and exhale, release. Inhale up and squeeze. And go ahead and go at your own pace. Just speed it up a little bit. Find a nice fast pace. Squeezing and releasing, the breath guiding. Speed it up a little bit more. Squeezing and releasing faster. Inhale, squeeze and hold. Take some breath in, squeeze your hands and your feet and your face and your shoulders. And then exhale, release. Ha! One or two more of those. Inhale, squeeze. Hold and squeeze a little more. Sip a little more. Sip, sip, sip. Squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. And when you're ready, release. One more. Make it as big or as little as you want it. Just do this one. Totally for you, I'll be quiet. Ha. Yeah, slowly come back. Just You don't have to open your eyes yet. You can just take a few breaths, noticing again your pelvic floor and your feet and your back and your belly, your pelvic bowl. And then I invite you to feel that place we started with where you gave touch to on your body and just see if it feels any different. It may or may not. You might have an idea of touching somewhere else too. I invite you to just try giving yourself some moving touch. And you can even squeeze that pelvic floor again for another little sip. I'm here with you if you want to share what that was like. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I got a little bit high. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's totally free. <laughs> like, just woo. Yeah. You really went in. You took up all that space inside your body. Ah. Oh, I felt really, really powerful. Yeah. yeah. I could. I could definitely when the when the breath work started, I was like, okay, I'm getting a little lightheaded. I don't dislike this. In fact, when I was a kid, I used to hold my breath and spin in circles. Like <laughs> Yeah, totally. As a sensation seeker, I get that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, so that was really like, um, oh my gosh, really, I don't know, there was some sort of like shift. There was a movement in me and um, so the pleasure spot is my ear. Don't tell anybody. Oh. And, <laughs> and so when, uh, when I first touched it, it was very like, oh, hi. And then afterwards it was just kind of like, it was like there, like everything was experiencing a bit of pleasure. So it was like, it was like there for the ride. Like, okay, yeah, yeah, this is how it's supposed to be. So it was really cool. Oh, I love that. I love to hear how you had your own experience with it too. Yeah. It seems like everybody comes to their own experience and brings what they want to bring out of the experience. Yeah. For me, it was foundational and I use it almost, I teach this to almost all of my clients to start. Yeah. And in all my classes, we do this breath work. I can see, I can see how beneficial and powerful it is, you know, despite the like the the lightheadedness aspect. Um, I've done some somatic body work, like like with a practitioner, and mm -hmm. it is very powerful to feel into those different spaces and go in the body where the emotions are. I, yeah, it's such a yummy practice, and I think anyone who hasn't experienced it, please definitely get some. Um, yeah, and that breath can be brought to any area of the body. I just showed you the three places where we could touch on as a practice, you know, about bringing the body to where there's any kind of tension, holding and releasing can be a really powerful tool to just help release and move emotion and pain through the body so, and even sensation to bring pleasure to different parts of the body. Yes. you. Um, I love that you're talking about your practice. You mentioned an aspect of giving people permission to hear their own voice. Yeah. Like, to step into the that, I guess, aspect of power. Can you talk a little more about that? Like helping people find their powerful voice. Like they're, yeah, like they're, I call it like the core self or like um, the true self, the core self. Um, the true self doesn't always resonate because of, you know, truth and how debatable that is. But yeah, the core self. Um, so a lot of times, you know, people show up in my office with beliefs. They have a lot of beliefs. And some of those beliefs are conditioning. Some of them are religion. Some of them are like some, some of them we don't even know why they're there. We can't name it. Um, but a lot of those beliefs are what shows up in um, the middle of like this place of like, this is my true self, this is my core self, this is the life I want. And then there's this place of like this belief that's right there in the way. And it can really vary from person to person. For me, often it's like the shoulds, those are always a sign that it's not necessarily my core belief. Like I could say, I should do that or I, sh I should, dress this way, or I should have this type of sexuality, or um, it happens a lot for me as a mom, I should be this kind of woman because I'm a mother. Um, and there's these beliefs, but then there's this core self that's like, well, I want something that's not that. Yeah. And for me is like, de-shamifying that core self is just the most important thing to help people just come home to who they are. Because who they are is inherently good, I think. I think most of the time, who we are underneath it all is inherently good. And we want to find the least harmful, the least painful kinds of ways to be our true self. 
Sometimes it's really confusing and it causes a lot of problems when we have this other voice that's shooting on us. So we feel like we have to hide. We feel like we have to lie or we feel like we have to pretend. Yeah. Yeah. That, fame, that shame, it just, it piles on the fear. I really get what you're saying. I recently went through an experience of like really, really, really wanting something and Everything in society is like, no, you can't have that. You shouldn't like it. You shouldn't want it. Don't do that. What is everyone going to think? Not just like, but everyone. <laughs> and I, I had to break down and get out of my own head all of these voices that like, that I was carrying with me. And that, yeah, it was a very, very noisy place to be. Yeah. Sometimes it's fun when we can name them to those no those noisy voices like sometimes I'm like oh that's the church lady Diana or <laughs> at least that's helped me add humor to the, sh the shit show sometimes yes you know and that struck me earlier I was doing this forgiveness exercise that I do with a lot of my clients and I was you know like we, we need to practice you know the things that we teach so I was um I was forgiving myself for something and I was like, wow. And I actually went through the different parts of myself and I actually like, I was like, oh, I have to forgive the part of me that's sad. I have to for forgive the part of me that was scared. I have to forgive, yeah. like there's all these different elements of myself that in the place of forgiving and forgiveness, I actually had to acknowledge their existence and yeah. hurting. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it's so beautiful that you have this practice to rely on in moments of tension or activation. It's so beautiful. And there's this, um, there's this piece for me that's really speaking out from your process. And I just want to name it of like having self-repair and self-empathy with all of our moving parts that are just, they've been there for reasons to protect us or, you know, we've thought we've needed them in different moments of our lives. And I just see such power in reclaiming ourselves and our lives and our lives that we've led all the way up until now and having self-empathy and repair with ourselves, which is sometimes the only person we can have repair with because sometimes people aren't safe to repair with. Yeah. And so there can be so much pleasure by these parts of ourselves we don't even want to look at. And when we finally do, it's like if we can have self-empathy and create spaces for self-repair, it can be so fertile under there. Mm. Wow. That's I just the idea of self-repair and like the the creating that self, it actually is like making me kind of itch right here. Like there's that part of me that's resisting it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you get mad when you read self-help books or like, I was just reading the four agreements and I got so activated and irritated. I'm like, why do you have to make this sound so simple when it's so hard? <laughs> yes. Oh my, and I only read self-help books. That's the, that's the worst part. It's like most Same. of my library. And yes, every time they get right in there, and they're, they they frustrate in the best way. It's the worst way, but it's the best way. <laughs> On the yeah. other side of all of that experience is the gold. And so just like you said, like the, the pleasure, we have to move through the muck of it all. The muck is what makes it. I feel like, yeah, the, it, the muck it, it helps us get there. You know, it helps us. We have to go through the muck. At least I have had to. I've had to look at my shit. I've had to figure out how to grow these roses and it's took, it's taken me, you know, I've, I've cried every day at least once for the last five years of my life. And they've been the most potent, most pleasure filled years of my life as well. That's real. That's real. The capacity to feel emotions like deeply. I think <gasps> that was something else that you had mentioned complex emotion and it's real. It's crying can be some of the most painful, but also some of the most elative experience. It's like releasing that energy. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I don't know about everybody else's experience with crying, but I, for the, most of my life, I've cried in this really kind of contracted way 
where I'm like holding my jaw tight, my eyes are scrunched. And I've actually felt like I've been able to actually cry in a way that doesn't hurt me anymore. Like in a way that's almost pleasurable and I can feel the release. And it reminds me of orgasm too. You know, it reminds me of when I'm going into deep states of pleasure, super full orgasms, and I'm holding and I'm scrunching and I, I like want to get there and I'm almost there and it feels like it's just right there. And then I finally am able to like release and it doesn't, it's not this contractive, like grabbing it, but it's like this expansive. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to feel that similar feeling of like releasing and letting go. Wow. That is, that. So when you said that about orgasms, I was like, wow, there was a time when like, that was like, that was the the thing. Like, like in that moment of pleasure, there was just so much intensity. There was so much intensity and it's like, to actually like breathe and let that go and experience what pleasure is. How would I say like, in a more receptive manner, Cause like, yeah. this is like- <laughs> I like to play with both. Like it feels good for me to contract and pull and squeeze. And then it also feels good for me to just go whoosh. And, like, <laughs> and I think crying has been my biggest lesson or orgasm. I don't know which one, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure which one, but one of them has informed the other, I think. Well, and I think also pleasure can be experienced in so many different ways. It's yes. not just, you know, the sexual pleasure and also like the emotional release that we're talking about earlier, the orgasmic breath work and like the simple touch. Mm-hmm. There's just so many layers to it. And, and I think it's really beautiful to awaken and open up to this is who I am and what gives me that pleasure. And that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love to think of like myself as a vessel for pleasure. You know, like I can just fill it up. I'm the, I'm taking that on. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I, like I don't I I'm here for this, you know. Why else am I here? That just gives me this sense of like how much pleasure can I hold? How much can I put in here? Because when I think of a vessel, it's like, well, it's there to hold it. How much pleasure? Yeah, yeah. If that feels like it's just there to hold it. Yeah. And it can overflow and it'll just keep holding. Mm, I love that. I was just thinking like, what's your pleasure capacity? And then you're like, it'll overflow. (laughs) It'll overflow. Yeah. And others get to just sort of... Um... Let's see. Uh, it says it's so interesting how our culture vilifies pleasure too. From the chat, yes. Yeah, um, I mean that's. I think that's also what that metaphor of that moment as a little girl. I felt like my pleasure was being vilified, and anybody who enjoyed my pleasure was being vilified. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. The like the enjoyment of pleasure. Yeah, which was so confusing living in this world. You know, so confusing. Right, which is just filled with pleasure, honestly. Like there's all these just millions and millions of things that are like, you want to enjoy this. And whether we allow ourselves that pleasure or not is really the conversation. Yeah. Yeah, and how to do it in a way that allows us to live our life more fully, you know, or as full as we want to. Talk to me about the organic self. Mm. Yeah, that core self, that true self, that organic self, whatever you want to call it. I really like everyone to have a choice of what they choose for wording. Um, For me, I love the word innocent. I love to just assume other people are innocent. I love practicing my own innocence. And I feel like from that innocent place of like, I'm pure, I'm innocent. My body's pure. My body's innocent. There's not a lot I can do to change that. Um, That I can own that, that I came here on this planet to explore in ways that do the least amount of harm. And there is the core self for me. Other people's core self would be explained differently, I think. You know, and 
for me is like, I want to feel my aliveness. I want to be able to feel it. And I want to feel it as much as I'm allowed to feel it, as much as I can feel it in the most gentle, kind, caring, loving, intimately connected ways. Yeah. Yeah. It respects other people's humanity and sovereignty as well, as well as my own. That's a big one. That's a really big one. Like it, it's beautiful because it's okay to want what you want. It's okay to like what you like. And I think all of those things are really powerful. And in the exploration of pleasure to not trespass or violate someone else's autonomy and boundaries and their access and capacity for pleasure. Exactly. And that's how I help others too. It's like, okay, these are your wants. These are your desires. These are your kinks. These are all those little dark secrets. And how do we get these in the ways that like help you love and respect and honor yourself and the world around you. Yeah. Like you celebrate all those things, but also over here, there's this whole world available to you to play in, to play. And I just, Oh my God, I have to share this. It's coming up really strong for me. You know how we say about kids on the playground. Sometimes we say it when they're acting out. Sometimes we just say it when they're having a good time or getting a little emotional, but we say like, kids are always working out their stuff on the playground. Like they work their stuff out on the playground. And I just want to say, I work my stuff out on the playground. (laughs) We're all working our stuff out. And so that's the place of like, like having understanding that we're all so different. And how do we talk about that in ways that are caring and self-protected? You know, and I think that still brings back in that moment with me, with my belly of like, that caregiver was showing deep care in their feet where they were kind of putting their fear on me, but they're also being so protective, you know? Yeah. In the best way they knew how. The best way they knew how. Yeah, exactly. And I just like, I love to think about the world as this playground and we're all learning and we're all always going to school like whether we're going to school school or if we're just alive like being alive is like going to school still you know we're learning so much every day whether we're consuming Netflix all day or if we're out in the world exploring nature like either way we don't really have a choice we're learning creatures yes yes yeah um And I love that, you know, looking at the energy of being human as you were sharing and explaining about the, um, you know, the the humanity and the experience of discovering the self. It reminds me of this, um, this belief I have where we are all always our child self, like that core part of us when it comes down to needs and care and want and love it's like we're still all that 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 little human that like has those needs and it's so sweet to like look at and relate to people that way and so i just when i think about the the self-discovery and that inner self it's like it's that love and that care and that kindness um yeah that space we create for ourselves Yeah. And I think as we get to know that child self and and some of us do, you know, different kinds of work that help us get there. Um, but we can also develop this loving parent. And for me, that's been really healing and healing my wounds from my childhood is developing a new voice, like a part of myself that's like the loving mommy and the loving daddy. And also finding like people around me that ha- are examples, not only within myself, but out in the world that are examples of who that might be and having healing relationships with them even, you know, I can have the healing relationship with my own inner loving mommy and daddy, but then I can also choose people to have around me to have love with that are also encompassing those values to repeat my experience, but in a healing way, you know, Mm -hmm. having caregivers that um, show up the way that I needed them to, even though they were showing up the best they could. Like, yeah. I love I love that idea of the reparenting and I want to I want to note that like 
creating relationships outside of your biological parents with like people who are wise and like, you know, like your elder or you have, you have that relationship with, it's such a beautiful connection. It is. And when you said that, I automatically sprung all the way to kink, like just all the way. And I was so that way too. Exactly. for sure and it's such a great like kink is a playground like when you said like you work it out on the playground it's like that's the playground where we take all of the stuff and then we work it out with each other (laughs) yeah so yeah yeah with consenting adults yes yeah yeah and that's the beauty of the the stuff that we kind of hide from and tuck away of like i wish I could have this experience and that experience and some of those experiences might be dark, like age play, but also it can be profoundly healing with consenting adults where we get to say what we need and have a healing experience, even if it's just like playful and light, Yeah, you know, healing doesn't always have to be painful and sad. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And, you know, with regards to age play there, so I I share, we actually have an episode we did a little while back, it was a panel on age play. Um, And it's not, so people think age play is dark, but it's not inherently sexual. It's just creating those dynamics within your sphere of people. Um, And I think the beautiful part is that it is with conversation and it is with consent. And I think about it like, it's much better to say, hey, can I work out this shit that I have with my mom, with you, versus just glomming on to somebody like, you remind me of my mother. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we get into the consent conversations of like, what is this relationship and how does it, how is it working for both of us? And um, Okay, this is exciting because uh, there's a little part of me that wants to touch on pleasure negotiations, but yeah. you also mentioned in your work relationship surrogacy, and I think that would be um, if you would like to share yeah. information for our audience to know. Yeah, do you have a question specific that you want to know about? What the hell is it? <laughs> okay, yeah, I could tell you what it is. What it is for me in my practice, it might be different for different practices and different people that do surrogacy work. I have a little cold, so I'm just going to wipe my nose here. <coughs> um, so relationship surrogacy. Um, oftentimes in my work, we go into the somatic practices in what I call the relationship lab, um, where we practice relating tools and skills And we practice them between each other. Myself, I can't pretend to be anybody else. I can't really role play someone's partner exactly right. I can get an idea of who they are and how I I might be in in that relationship with this person, but I can't guess who they are and what their triggers and stories are. And so I do my best to attune and figure out my client's growing edges and trace those and create somatic practices that, that are interrelational. So sometimes I show up as their mommy. Sometimes I'm a loving, caring mommy. Sometimes I'm a firm, boundaried mommy. Sometimes I'm a little bit of both or all of it. Sometimes I'm a really cuddly mommy, you know, or I want to wrestle and play and be silly and make jokes. But it's all intentional for my clients' growing edges, wherever their growth needs to happen, wherever I kind of find a healing gap or a gap in development from that kind of zero to six realm. But sometimes we go into the teen years as well. But that seems to always be sort of a repeat from the zero to six. And so that's for the that's for the mommy work. And then as I get into the partner work, sometimes we outgrow our mommy relationship where I'm sort of the mommy and the daddy. Um, and we outgrow that relationship where I've been parenting them for a while and protecting them and teaching about advocating for their own safety and all these different things that are sort of like the parent's job. And then sometimes we graduate out of the mother parent or the parent child role. And we get into some more of a, a lover's lab where we practice touch and running erotic energy in the room together rather than like a lot of people can run their erotic energy no problem by themselves or with porn, but learning how to run it in a room with another person. But I do this and invite it in a beautiful, loving, accepting, most, um, like my highest 
myself. Like I will come and do repair. I will do whatever within my model of practice that I can do within my boundaries to really ensure this person, my client in front of me is fulfilling these gaps of how to be in the best possible romantic or sexual relationship or asexual relationship, whatever they're wanting, really. I'm in service to what they want, really. And I'm learning how to be myself in service to what they want. And that's the surrogacy part. I'm not trying to be somebody else. I'm being myself, but always in service to what they want. And if I can't be in service to what they want, then I help find find them someone that can be. Um, and I don't just like, oh, I can't do that for you. Bye. I usually network with my other professionals and help find them a facilitator, a practitioner that can help them. And in that lover's realm, we can practice almost anything. And my boundaries are, I have very specific boundaries. I stay fully clothed with my clients. I don't kiss them on the mouth. Um, and then whatever boundaries that show up as my own, those get added. Yeah. And they vary from person to person and client to client. Wow. But you just totally opened my mind up to what relationship surrogacy is. Yeah. And we go on dates even. And a lot of times if we don't go on dates, we talk about and paint like beautiful images in our mind of what the perfect date would be and what I would want on the date and what they would want on the date and how to negotiate the date. Yes. I love it. Okay. Okay. So this, this does tie in perfectly because we were just talking about, you know, creating these healthy relationships with consent. And I'm hearing with surrogacy, it's whatever relationship you want to work on and heal and then there's that that balance and that opportunity and like you said not being someone else but you're showing up as rachel but mm -hmm. what is being received is okay i'm learning how to dance with someone else's boundary or i'm learning how to receive so what where my boundaries are in this very like natural dance between two people yeah and not only boundaries like we're learning how to receive desire and we're learning how to receive erotic energy and we're learning how it feels like, like I would explain if I didn't feel like my erotic energy was being received and I would ask why I don't feel that rather than like in a dating atmosphere, they might just not go on another date. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So like they're getting to know like, oh, it's my clients are getting to know. And I'm also always getting to know, you know, what, what that impact is. Like really what I'm learning, what I'm teaching and learning is like learning to talk about the impact and not leave, you know, and not, and learning to take breaks, even like I'll close my eyes in sessions and be like, oh, there's a thing. I'm feeling like activation in my body. I'm going to squeeze and like shake and, and here I'm back, you know, and sometimes we have to do that together. Sometimes we just turn on some rock and roll and dance together, you know, like, oh, let's shake this off and come back. Wow. I love it. That, that being in the discomfort. Like learning how to how to be there, how to play, how to breathe through it. Um, it's and it's happening experientially as it comes up. So I'm not like teaching this regimented thing. And really, for me, why this method resonates so much with me that I do is because it's kind of what I've been doing this whole time is my healing, and it's just been a really good fit for me. Like I've always been someone who needs music needs nature. I've always had these like somatic practices. I didn't know they were practices, but I knew that's what made me survive. Mm. Yeah. And I've been like, oh, I can, I can bring me into these things and I can be my sensitive, playful self. So, yeah. And, and the thing, this is great because it also lends to the conversation around pleasure negotiations, which we talk about from time to time, just kind of here and there, but learning how to do that dance. I um, I, I was just taken somewhere for a second. I was like, I, I've been in, I, one of my relationships uh, has been such a growing practice for me, like a process of even just learning to be in a relationship. And I feel very fortunate that I'm getting to do this on the court with someone because there was a time when I was like, this is uncomfortable. Peace. Like, <laughs> I'm out. And it, it didn't even matter what damage I was leaving in my wake. It was just too uncomfortable for me to deal with or be in relationships that were that intimate. 
Yeah. Mm. Discomfort is so juicy. I think it's so juicy. I'm so into it. It's so good. I, I have a sign I made on my front door, you know, those little pegboard signs you can get at Target. I put um, discomfort is often a magical leap toward ease. And that's what's on my front door right now. But yeah, sometimes we don't want to go there and then the ease doesn't come. You know, we're like, why isn't this easier? It's not getting easier. Oh, because then you're holding on to the discomfort because you're trying, because I'm trying to solve the discomfort and therefore it doesn't get easier and I'm just attached to it. Okay. Yeah, it even goes back into what we were saying about the crying and the orgasms too, of like, okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I surrender. Exactly. Uh, that was amazing. <laughs> that is so real. Okay. So, and they, they say, Pleasure's on the other side of pain. Well, we could also say discomfort, awkwardness, insecurity, shame. Like, pleasure is on the other side. We just have to go through what's in the yeah, way. I even like to be the devil's advocate and say sometimes they can happen at the same time. The pleasure and the shame or the, like, as I'm learning to sort my shame, sometimes shame shows up right next to my pleasure or right with it. Yep. And I can build a, a trusting moment with my shame there of like, hi, shame. I see you. You're with me. We're still going to do the fucking thing. You know, and I'm very curious to know, like, is there something that can be done about that? You said you said um, the shame coming right along with the pleasure. And what I'm asking is not so much for it to be fixed, but like, how could it how could it best be utilized? Like I've had moments where like I will have an orgasm and then completely be like, oh my God, I can't believe I just did that. Like game yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. After vulnerability. Like, yeah. Shame after vulnerability. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's part of that not that's like the should self or the not not the core self. Mm. Being like, how could you do that? How could you do that? Yeah. Um, okay. The last thing I want to touch on before we wrap up is body neutrality. That mm, was yes. Oh, so important <laughs> to me. Oh my God. I just like want to take off my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We won. <laughs> we won't. But I, that's my, that's my response. Like that's what this is. Me being like, okay with taking off my clothes. I'm okay with it. You know, like I'm not, I'm not like, looking at every part of myself and being like, oh, you're a freaking goddess. I mean, some days I do. If I'm ovulating, yeah, babe. <laughs> Good point. <coughs> I love that. Go ahead. <laughs> but body neutrality for me is just looking at myself in a way that isn't mean or picking myself apart, but it isn't like, oh my God, you're the best and your body's the best and it's so beautiful. Like, this is my body. This is my home. I live here. I live here. This is mine. It doesn't have to be named as something glorified. You know, I can just have this human body that shows, has marks and stretchy bits and it's a body. We all have one. And there's nothing to fix most of the time unless it's causing you pain and discomfort. Yes. Oh, like this body is a vessel that's carrying me through life. Like that's, yeah. and we all have one and we all have different variations of these bodies and there's no one body that's higher or better. And there is no one body that's worse. In my opinion, I think everybody tells a story and that story to me is beautiful. I, um, I had the immense pleasure of getting to lead one of my workshops in my underwear. <laughs> it was the best. Which yeah. I know sounds really kind of bizarre. Like we're talking Not about pleasure awakening. And I'm like, yeah, I did this thing that most people would be terrified to do. And it was beautiful. It's my releasing sexual shame, a pathway to freedom workshop. And it was a workshop on sexual shame. And I was at an event where it was mostly clothing optional, like mostly not fully. Yeah. And, um, and I was thinking to myself, when am I ever going to get to lead? a workshop on shame in my underwear 
in front of a hundred people. Like, when am I ever gonna get this chance again? And it was so perfect. Oh. I got to stand there and like acknowledge my body and acknowledge my height and acknowledge my weight and all these different things with no significance. It was like, these are the numbers. This is what's so. And it's been yeah. made to mean all this shit, but it just is what it is. Absolutely. It is what it is. Exactly. Yeah. Mm. And the shame can be there and we can still say, this is my body. I deserve to take up space no matter what. And that feels neutral to me. I don't need to like be worshipped or celebrated, although that's really nice. I'm open to that. (laughs) (laughs) I also don't need that to have my body show up in a way that also feels powerful, where my voice is allowed to be heard. Yeah. No need for external validation. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. So tell us a bit about your work and how people can find you, follow up, get your services. Mm, yeah. Um, well, I work in Sacramento, California on Mondays, and I take clients on Mondays there and have office in Midtown. And then I work in downtown Nevada City. That's where I am right now um, in my office. And I also see people online worldwide. And you can find me on my website or on Instagram. Um, my website is becomingthemself.com. And my Instagram is becoming themselves. Mm. So you can find me there. You can find me as my name, Rachel Levesque, on Facebook. And you get to kind of get a, a more personal look at my life that way, too, because I kind of share a little bit of family stuff and a little bit of career stuff and a little bit of burlesque stuff all on that page. It's sort of the hodgepodge mix. Yeah. yeah. But I like, letting, I like letting people on there, too. It's fun to just show my dynamic self there. Ah. Uh. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. This is uh, just the yummiest, juiciest. And I'm also just going to acknowledge I have been mispronouncing your name and I'm so sorry. I'm back. <laughs> uh, that's okay. I heard it, but everyone does. So it wasn't a big deal. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, it's a hard one. Even my kid still doesn't know how to pronounce it. So he's trying. Oh. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Um, Awesome. Well, um, is there anything, uh, any final words you want to say before we wrap up our show? Mm. Yeah. I just want to say that everyone deserves pleasure. Everyone deserves to be neutral with their bodies in some way, even if it's just alone with themselves or if they need somebody else to show up and love their body, that's great too. Like, and and they can't do that for themselves. I just want to say no matter what, everyone deserves pleasure. And that doesn't always mean sexual pleasure, but just food, music, sex, nature, rest, hot baths, yummy drinks. I don't know, whatever, whatever gives you that feeling of like, I'm taking time for pleasure. You deserve that. Everyone does. I love that. Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show today. Your work and your wisdom are incredibly powerful and we are grateful to have you as a part of this conversation. Thank you for having me. I'm so touched. This was so fun. I just love talking with you. Oh. <laughs> thank you. Um, all right, everybody out there, thank you so much for joining us today. This is the It Cast Real Talk on Sex, our community outreach podcast that increases diversity in conversations on health and sexuality. Through this work, we are creating a world where all people feel loved, honored, and respected. Tune in next week where we will talk about real talk, um, real talk on what we believe about sex and aging with Dr. Nicole Crawford. That'll be live at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Upcoming events this weekend, we have Soma Second Saturday on Saturday, April 8th. This kink Kink Gear and Leather Market is in San Francisco on 12th Street between Eagle Plaza and Folsom Street, noon to five. 
Next weekend, we have the Fetish Flea Market at the Wicked Grounds Annex from 11 to 5. And as always, check out our weekly freedom support group online Sundays, noon Pacific, hosted by Ethology Collective and the House of Shirelle. And Sunday brunch over at Jolene's SF. Definitely check that out. If you want one-on-one coaching with me, visit my link tree to book a free connection session. Ask us anything because we want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. Thank you for everything you put in the chat and please keep it coming. Go. You can get access to our bonus content on Patreon. Learn more about our work at theitcast.com. Subscribe to this YouTube channel and share with your community. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week.